Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 23 and today I'm talking about unschool maths. And before I go any further, I just want to say that the abbreviation for mathematics is maths in Australia. That's why I'm not saying math. So I hope that doesn't uh, confuse people or annoy listeners who are in other countries other than Australia. I think also in the UK, the abbreviation is also maths. But I just thought I'd explain that because I've had comments on my blog and on Facebook asking me why I write maths with an S at the end as if I've made some kind of mistake. Well, I am, I've been thinking about this podcast for a week or so. I almost recorded it last week. Uh, if you listen to last week's podcast, you'll know that uh, I was halfway through doing this podcast when I lost my enthusiasm because I had another idea that uh, kept coming into my mind and I abandoned this one and went and talked about uh, the question of whether we should be continuing unschooling. Yeah, some deep and serious uh, thoughts. But this week, back to something ordinary. Or is it ordinary? I don't think that unschool maths is ordinary at all. But yeah, a lot of people talk about unschool maths. Uh, should we be unschooling in all areas, including maths? And um, sometimes it's the last thing to uh, give control over to children is the maths. And sometimes it doesn't even happen. Unschoolers might continue to do a maths program or to require maths in some way with their children. Now I have one daughter who really does love maths and that's Sophie who's 13. And I was doing some musing out loud the other day about what I would say in this podcast and I said to her, um, have you got anything interesting to say about maths? And she turned around and very enthusiastically said, you're talking to the girl who absolutely hated maths and then she turned around and now loves it. I have lots to say about maths. And of course, I had a big smile on my face. I like to get that reaction. And I said to her, well, would you like to share some of those thoughts on my podcast? And she, yeah, she wants to talk about unschooled maths. It's one of the subjects that she's passionate about. So I'm going to do some basic talking about our journey to unschool maths and then I'm going to interview Sophie so I hope that you'll stick around and will be interested in that. Now as I said a lot of people for, for a lot of people maths is the last thing that they let go of um, until they're unschooling in all areas of education and that's the way it was for us. I mean, so as, as I said, some people don't let go of it. But I just want to share a bit of our story and how I came to Unschool Maths for my girls. Now, for many years, my children learnt maths using workbooks or textbooks that required them to write their answers in exercise books. This is the way that all my older children learnt maths. I guess they didn't really complain when they were, they were small. That was just what was required. They just filled in a few pages of their workbooks every day and then moved on to something that was more interesting. They just knew that was part of their day and it made me feel all right. They'd done some maths for the day and now we could go move on. I wasn't always sure that they were actually remembering much of their maths though. They'd fill in the pages and once they were done, 
Um, they had a tendency to forget most of it, but I sort of turned a blind eye to that, you know, just got the pages filled in. I could mark it off in the records book. They'd done their maths. That's how we, we lived with maths. But one day it got a bit more complicated than that. My children got older and they all got to the stage where they said, why do we have to do this? When will we ever need this maths? And I was answered, you never know. It might come in useful one day. But what I really meant was, I don't know when you're going to use it, but I had to learn it. Everybody does. That's just the way things are. So you're going to learn it too, just in case. We, we don't know what's ahead of us. And I thought that was a pretty good reason, just in case. And I had a lot of battles with my older children, especially when they got to the stage of learning higher maths, which was, it's, a lot of it is not immediately obvious what the use for it is. And I'm sure some of it is useless as far as most people go. Eventually, my older children wore me down and they never actually finished their maths courses. There, we swapped from the higher advanced maths to more maths in society type textbooks where they would learn about things like banking. And, he, and that was a compromise. And even after a while, they never even finished those textbooks. It sort of just petered out. But the only person who did actually finish uh, a maths course was Imogen, who's our fourth child. She's 20 now and she's um, in her third year of a university degree. She's actually studying the arts, um, write, professional writing and publishing. But years ago, she, she didn't know really what she wanted to study in the future. Writing was on her list, but she was also a St. John Ambulance uh, cadet. And she was rather interested in medicine. And she thought, well, if I do something in the sciences area, I might need maths. So she was quite open to learning maths. And there was another even bigger reason why she wanted to do the advanced maths course. And that was because none of her older siblings had ever done it and completed it. And she wanted to be the first eldest child to do this, to be able to say, I've done the advanced maths course right to the end. And I guess that's a, a reason. I mean, when you live in a big family and uh, most of your siblings have already done all the things that you want to do, it was one thing that she felt that she could achieve and call her very own. So she did. She got finished the advanced maths course. I found her a tutor in the end because I couldn't keep up with answering her questions and keeping on with the things I was doing with the younger kids, even though I'd done the course myself years ago. Yeah, I understand the advanced maths course, but things just, you forget things. And the other day I was talking to Imogen about the advanced maths course she had done. Maybe she finished it maybe two or, two, or, two or three years ago now. And I asked her how much of it she remembered. And she said, I don't remember an awful lot of it, Mum. I think the memory of achieving it has stayed with her and has given her satisfaction. But as for what she learnt, she has forgotten a lot of it. And that's because she chose not to continue her maths at university after all. As I said, she went on and she's done arts instead. And she hasn't actually had a need for that maths. Now, I do love maths, even though I have forgotten a lot of the higher maths that I learnt as a school child. Uh, I do remember feeling very satisfied by working through all the problems. I liked the fact that there was an answer at the end. It was black and white. Uh, you either got the right answer or you didn't. And I like working through the problems. So I was quite disappointed when all of my older children uh, didn't like it as well. Yeah, disappointed with their attitude towards it. I heard a lot of, I hate maths. Why do we have to do it? 
I thought, why, why didn't they like maths too? Was it just a case that they have different interests to me, different interests for different people, or was it was there more to it than that? And I wondered whether the way they learnt maths had actually put them off it. One day, Sophie, who's yeah, as I said, thirteen, and it was quite a few years ago now, maybe three or four years ago, she told me she hated maths. You know, she told us. They told me she wasn't very good at it, and I thought, oh look, we're going down the same pathway as all my older children. I'm going to have to keep encouraging her along.、Uh, so I did. I said, of course you're you're good at maths, but she wasn't convinced. And yes, I could see her going the same way as my older children. I could see her having years and years of battles with her, trying to keep her focused on the fact that it was an interesting topic, or it could be, and. I wanted her to do some maths, so years of going through the motions, not really enjoying it, maybe, but doing it because it was required. And again, I wondered if the problem was more to do with the method of learning maths than the subject itself. And I decided we'd have to change our approach to maths. Was there a more interesting way of exposing my girls to maths? I wanted to give it a go, not just give in this time, just to try a few different things and see if I could interest her in the topic. I went looking for something better than the workbooks and discovered online maths courses. Yeah, I thought this was the answer to our problems. They look very attractive. Maths concepts were taught using games and other activities, which were colourful, fast-moving, and I I thought they might be fun. You know, I thought my one of my girls would look at it and think, "Wow, this looks fun. Maths is fun. I really enjoy doing this." There were avatars. They could change their The hair color, the hairstyle, clothes, eye color. I thought my girls would enjoy having an avatar, a bit like playing with dressing up dolls. There also there were virtual worlds they could build, zoos, bedrooms, gardens. They could earn points by working through the maths activities, and these points could be spent on furniture, animals, toys, and other things to add to their virtual worlds. Uh, I thought, yeah, this looks a lot of fun. And also, the girls could earn certificates as their point scores grew, and we could print these off and put them in a folder. And of course, that would look really lovely for our registration purposes. Put them in their portfolio, and that bit appealed to me. So for a while, Sophie was happy to sign into her account, do the activities, earn the reward points,、uh, yeah, earn herself some certificates that I could put in her file. She built up her virtual worlds. Every day she changed her avatar. Actually, she raced through the activities.、Um, I thought at first this was—I had a big smile on my face. I thought, "Oh, this is really working well. She's learning so much." Yet her point score grew, virtual worlds grew and grew, and it all seemed to be working out really well. Then one day she started saying, "I hate maths. I'm no good at it." And my heart sank again. I thought, "Well, this is not the answer." I had to face the fact that online maths courses, however attractive,、uh, weren't working for her either. I think the problem was that Sophie was doing the maths for rewards, and after a while of the online course, the rewards lost their attraction for her. She she didn't want to change her avatar anymore, and she didn't want to buy something new for her virtual bedroom. Yeah, she'd been there, done that, and it doesn't didn't hold enough interest for her. Even watching her point score go up and up and up, that that wasn't enough to keep her going through the maths activities. 
and also she was racing through the activities and she wasn't really absorbing the con the concepts at all. That's why she was saying, I am not very good at maths. Yeah, I realised the online course wasn't really very different from the workbooks that they'd, the girls had been using before. It was just a dressed up version of the same thing. And I think learning needs to be done out of love, not for rewards. Maybe with workbooks, the rewards are ticks and gold stars and the satisfaction of uh, filling another page and turning over and knowing you've done it. Whereas the online courses, the rewards there were seemingly a bit more attractive, the, the things that you could buy from the virtual online store. But when you get down to it, they're both just what it was we're operating on a reward system and yes rewards lose their attraction and once children aren't interested in earning the rewards they want to stop learning. I think learning needs to be done out of love or because there is a need for the knowledge and not for rewards. Yes yeah, so we were back to square one. Sophie was once again telling me she hated maths. Now I think I could have just told her to get on with it. I didn't care how she felt. Maths needed to be done, and look how lucky you are, Sophie. I found you uh, an online course. I paid for it, and it's so much better than workbooks. Yet only one thing that I require you to do, Sophie, and that's the maths. And yeah, I'd probably, I could have done that. I could have asked her, what's wrong with avatars and games? Think about the people that don't aren't allowed to use online courses. I didn't actually say any of that. What I wanted to do was give Sophie one more chance to see whether she could actually enjoy maths. I know not, not everybody does like maths, but I wanted to find out if she truly didn't like it or whether it was just the way it was being presented and I hadn't found that way of presenting it to her yet. And so the next step I thought was unschool maths. I had to get brave and, yeah, let her unschool maths. felt there was no uh, alternative at this stage because if I didn't do this then I would just face more years of another child saying I hate maths and would be a battle every day and what would be the result at the end? The result at the end would be that we would have a lot of records in my record book for homeschool registration purposes and it would look like she had done a lot of maths and I'd fulfilled the homeschool registration requirements but it was all be a waste of time because I knew that she wouldn't actually get much out of her learning of maths. Yeah, pick up the basics, but a lot of um, the traditional way of learning maths I feel doesn't isn't worthwhile at all. Children just do not remember it. And I decided that for Sophie and Gemma Rose, who are my youngest children, we would do something different from the older ones. I would let them unschool maths and they could learn it in a real way as part of life. Learning maths as a part of life. I've read stories about parents who have never introduced any maths to their children. They haven't even used real life experiences as teachable moments. For example, they haven't explained counting in fives while looking at a clock. I remember Sophie doing that one day. She was looking at the clock and I just used that as a teachable moment saying had she noticed that the numbers were arranged in groups of five. 
Yes, these parents have let their children work out all the mathematical concepts by themselves. And they have done that. The children have been most successful in working out how maths works. <laughs> I have I must say that that approach is not the one I'm using. I haven't been hands off because what I want to do is show my children the possibilities. I want to strew maths in front of my girls just like I do for everything else. I don't sit back and let them discover everything by themselves. I'm always looking for interesting ways to involve my children in the various in in the world, all the wonderful things that we they could possibly learn about. I'm bringing the world to them, whether it's I'm going out, taking them on outings, or whether I'm strewing experiences in front of them at home. They can reject these experiences. I'm just finding interesting things for them and tempting them with them, and they have the right to say they're not interested, to reject those. But that's what I do. I do a lot of strewing, and I want to do a lot of strewing with maths as well. I think, well, why is maths any different? Why can't we uh, go looking for interesting maths experiences and then put them before our children and say, hey, look, this might be interesting. So that's what I've been doing. Now, some people might say that maths is, is different from all those other subjects, that it's got to be learnt systematically. You have to go from the beginning to the end in a straight line. You have to learn it in a certain order. Yes, might not be something you can approach from many different directions. Well, that might be true, but it's not the way I'm presenting it to my children. And I think that they are actually enjoying maths and actually learning a lot about maths, even though we're not doing it systematically. I'm approaching it from many different angles with many different resources and we haven't been anywhere near a textbook for a long time. But I would say that Sophie knows an awful lot about maths. And I think that this is uh, probably a good point to stop chatting here and to actually start talking with Sophie. I've got a number of questions that I've put together. We had a little bit of a chat last night about things that she could chat about with me. She's got a lot of interesting ideas and I think that's one thing about children. Nobody listens, well nobody, I listen a lot and I'm sure there are a lot of people who listen to children, but we should all listen to children more because they have some very, very interesting things to say. I'm always very, very fascinated by the things that my children come out with sometimes. So I'm going to talk to Sophie about maths and how she is learning it. Hi Sophie, thank you for joining me. We're going to talk a bit about maths today? Yeah. Okay, the first question I want to ask you is, why do you think a lot of children say maths is boring? I think it's the stereotype that the world has given to maths. Everyone says that maths is boring and unenjoyable. So even before children get to try maths and play around with maths, they already have made up their mind that they hate maths because that's what the whole world says. So the whole world, I suppose our children's world, is mainly the, the people around them, the parents. I've heard a lot of parents who do have said that. I'm, I never enjoy maths at school. I don't like maths. You think that it's easy to pass that attitude on to children um, and they pick that up before they have a chance to see for themselves? I reckon so, because that's all the children are influenced by. They're mainly influenced by their parents. So their parents' attitude about maths will 
be what the children pick up on. So if a parent hasn't had uh, a liking for maths and has found it difficult, it might be good not to say anything about that until the child has tried it for themselves? Yes. Okay. Would you say that a lot of parents and children will get to the point where they say maths is boring because of the way it's taught? I reckon so. I reckon the way that most people teach maths is very boring and the children won't enjoy learning it that way. So um, even those online courses that I paid for for ages ago and they all look really attractive and it's games and you can use your mouse, sit there at your computer, that's still not attractive enough to learn maths? No, those games, they're just, they're really just workbooks with makeup on them. So. <laughs> well, I like that description. So how, how would you show that maths is worth learning? If, if a child doesn't like maths, then I reckon you should go through it from something else. Show them the use of maths from something they enjoy. Show it from more of a hobby perspective. Like, I've got a friend who makes miniatures. So if she didn't like maths, her mum could go and show her how you can use scale to make those miniatures better. So you've got to find uh, some sort of use. Something that they can personally use and show them that maths is really just the building blocks of everything. So once you've got those building blocks, you can use it in lots of different ways. Yes. So what are some of the things you use maths for? I use it in my photography, in my web designing. I use it when running. I use it when cooking. So let's just stop a minute and talk about some of these. How do you use it in your web design? Um, web designing is made up of images and things. So when I'm doing images, sometimes you have to make sure your image is the right size. So I have to work out how many pixels I'll need this image to be, how many megabytes is the limit, how much I'll have to compress images by. Maths is used when you're positioning things in your HTML. Maths is used all over web designing. And we've used a lot of maths in our running, haven't we? Yes, we have. We use maths when we're working out how far we've gone and how fast we've been running, the approximate speed we keep up the whole way. Multiplication and how many laps we need to do to get to 5K. Exactly. We do a lot of maths and running. And we do a lot of mental maths, don't we? Because, of course, yes. we're not running with our notebooks in our hands. Are <laughs> no. We? Our calculators in our pockets. We're working out these things on the go. Yes. When I first started running... I used to have a lot of trouble working out how far I'd have to run. But nowadays it's just sort of like, oh, I'll have to run four laps around the field to get to 4K, love 2K. So um, you mentioned cooking. That's a, 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 a very typical one. It is very typical, isn't it? People, people when they say real-life maths, the example that always comes up is cooking. Yes. Um, I mean, it's fractions and weighing. Uh, there's also the oven temperatures. But I think that real-life maths is much more than cooking, isn't it? It is. And we spent a few weeks, didn't we, keeping our eyes open about all the real-life maths that we were experiencing, which uh, we some we just passing over, weren't we? We didn't yes. actually uh, acknowledge those. It was Maths is all around us, but it, we had to stop and think about it to see how many experiences we were actually having every day. And an awful lot of them, weren't they? So, yes, it was surprisingly... Like, maths comes into everything. It even comes into our music, which you'd learn. Yes, what's some other examples? It comes into the furniture. It's all angles and everything. It comes into things like 
temperature when you're working out the weather. It comes into quite a lot of things. Well, I think uh, Gemma Rose learned about percentages reading her Kindle book. Yes, because it comes into reading a lot. She knows it's 100% in the book and she has uh, keeps How many percent does she have left to go? Like, when she's at 25%, she's read a quarter of the book. And if she keeps on like that, how long will it take her to read a book? So you think, Sophie, that you can learn an awful lot of maths by just living it? I reckon you can. You just pick it up as you go along because you need it. Yes, it's like spelling. We all learn spelling just by picking it up. Yes, so there's no real reason to have to learn these things in a formal way, is there? No, I don't think so. Now, when we're talking about learning maths from real life experiences what we're actually talking about is learning maths that is needed isn't yes it? so that's the motivation to learn it a child needs it so they'll learn it right yes but there is another way of learning maths isn't there oh there definitely is and that is learning maths for its own sake yes it's such an interesting subject that whether we need it or not it can be learnt, can't it it can it can be learnt more as a hobby than as schoolwork so do you think maths is that interesting that you'd like to know more about it even though you might not need it? Yes, you, I do. You do. <laughs> I already do. So you do. So that's a big turnaround from your older sisters and brothers who didn't want to learn anything that they had, didn't see a need for. Yeah. So we've obviously we've approached this in a totally different method. Now I think the first books that we got that really interested you on maths were the ones by Bill Handley. Oh yes, I remember those. Um, Teaching your children tables and high speed maths, I think they were called. They sound like they're basic maths books. They sound like they sound like a textbook, but really they're not. No, they they gave what they're doing. He gives some different ways of learning times tables and different methods of doing traditional type problems. He has a new way of thinking about it. And I think what was the interesting bit, Sophie, wasn't it? It wasn't the fact that uh, they, we use these books to conquer the times table exactly, but because he had different ways of thinking about the numbers, we got interested in playing around with them, yes, didn't we? we turned it sort of into a game. Who could work out a problem first? We were practicing working things out faster rather than working them out correctly. Now, Bill Handley says that if a child who's able to manipulate numbers quickly and with confidence uh, actually gains a confidence that will spill over into all areas of their education, but I think we were just having fun, weren't we? Yes, it wasn't for the educational purpose of it. We were learning it because we wanted to see what he was doing. Yes, it's the it... sort of thing I'm interested in. So then we led on to uh, the human calculator. Do you remember him? I do. <laughs> I think his name's Scott Flansbury. I'm not sure. Anyway, he's known as the human calculator, and you can find him on YouTube. And you give him a problem, and somebody else has a calculator, the person with the calculator has to try and beat him in working out a problem, doesn't he? Yes. And usually a very complicated problem, and he always beats the calculator. I remember that. We had a lot of fun looking through his books. The simple way that he was going through maths backwards as a different way of doing it, it was just amazing the way he did everything. So at one point I thought to myself, well, what's the point of learning how to do maths really fast? Or what's the point of learning a new way of, doing your times table what's wrong with the old way as long as you can do it one way that's enough 
but it's more than that, isn't it? It is. It's if you're doing it for the hobby sort of thing, then it's like learning how to knit a different kind of stitch. Yeah, and it's also, it also gives your brain a workout. It, it does. It, um, it's it's more for the challenge puzzle sort of way of it. Yeah, but just because you love trying out new yes. challenges. Yeah? Yes. Now, as I was speaking earlier in my in my podcast, Sophia was saying that I try and look for different interesting mass experiences to strew in front of you, yes? Yes. Now, can you think of some of the things that you've enjoyed that I've tempted you with? Um, The Fibonacci. Fibonacci. And how did we get hold, how did we get onto Fibonacci numbers? Um, there's this, there's these people called Numberphile and they create all these different maths videos. They're all very passionate mathematicians who make these videos about it. And one of the videos was Fibonacci and how they made music out of Fibonacci sequence. Yeah, so I think what you just said, yeah, that they love maths. And I think that's the thing is we're looking for resources that um, have been produced by people who are passionate about math. Yes, and the people who do it because it's their love, rather than people who do it because let's teach parents how to educate their children. Yes, so that love of maths comes over. In, yeah, it just it, spills over into what you're learning. And so it can't help but make you feel interested in yes. the subject too. It, now, the enthusiasm is catching. Now I think that we could probably live without knowing anything about the Fibonacci numbers. Oh, you definitely could. Because I'd forgotten what Fibonacci numbers are, and I can't remember a single instance of having ever having to, to know them, right? So yes. It's not essential maths. No. But it's interesting, isn't it? It is. Yeah, and as you said, we found uh, a video about how to make music based on the Fibonacci sequence. And did we have a go at that? We did. Imogen, who's really good at music, she came and helped me and Gemma Rose create our own piece of music using the Fibonacci number sequence. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was. I can't say if it was brilliant, but it was a lot of fun. And then uh, there was another video about Fibonacci tartan, I think. Do you remember that? Yes, I remember that one. They made tartan out using the Fibonacci number sequence. And our other big uh, topic we keep returning to is what? Pie. We like pie, (laughs) don't we? Yes. Strangely enough, it was the same people that introduced us to that love of pie. Numberphile has made so many videos about pie, and they're all amazing. And I think that it's rather remarkable that Gemma Rose is not 100% on her times tables. She can work them out, but she's not quick on them, but she knows all about pie. Yes, she loves learning about pie, but she dislikes her times tables like anything. So do you think that brings up another point? Do you think that you can learn maths out of sequence? I reckon so. So you shouldn't uh, say, well, pi doesn't come into the school curriculum, the maths curriculum until year, blah, blah, blah. You have to learn the basics first. I don't think you should go through it that way. I think that you should introduce the child to the fun stuff before you make them do the basic stuff. Just kindle their love of maths first. Don't just shove them to the basics and say, you can do the fun stuff once you've learnt all this. But the fun, when you say talk about fun stuff, you're not talking about fun computer games or anything. Oh no, I'm talking about things like Pi and Fibonacci the way we've been doing it. So I think that maybe people, if you said fun stuff for maths, they wouldn't think what you think is fun. But you, No, it's rather confusing. It is confusing. Most people, when they say maths is fun, is the parent trying to find a fun way to present basic things like a game to learn times tables. Yeah. That's not what you mean. No. What I mean is the more slightly advanced, slightly more interesting way bits of maths, like pi or Fibonacci. What I think it's to do with is 
showing children the big picture. Yes. If you show them something bigger, like what all that little basic stuff can work up into, like pie, then it'll just kindle their love and they'll go and learn the basics if they want to and they like it, they might go and learn the basics themselves. So showing where uh, where maths could lead you yes. and then giving a child an interest that, that they want to work their way up to that. Yes, yeah, so they can do way, it themselves. Or actually work their way back. Yes. <laughs> yes. And And even if you don't understand something, you can still look properly, you can still learn from it. Like some of those number file videos are slightly advanced for me, but I still learn bits and bobs from it by watching them. And if your child doesn't know everything about pie and can't understand how it works, they'll still learn from watching the pie video. That's right, yeah. So I've just remembered another big picture maths um, experience we've had, and that's the Fibonacci, how it was used, it's used in nature. Yes, Fibonacci comes up all in nature, in flowers, in pine cones, in practically anything. You look at the spirals and it's Fibonacci in there. So that's the big picture, isn't it? And that's, it is. That's fascinating. It's very fascinating. I remember watching the video that told us that. I was literally like, what? Now, Pi gives us a good example of how we work. Uh, I'll give you, you know, I might find a resource for Pi, like another video, okay? Yes. And I'll say, would you like to watch? And of course, you always say, yes. Yes. Because <laughs> I like Pi. We all like Pi, don't we? And then you'll get a little of knowledge from that. Yes. And then a little while down the track, we might I might find some other resource about Pi. Yes. And each time we come back to the Pi, we're expanding our knowledge a little exactly. bit more. Exactly. You can keep learning from going back to something. You don't have to learn something once and say, okay, check that off, we're done. You can keep coming back because every time you come back, you'll notice something you didn't notice before. You'll get a better knowledge of how it all works. Now, I think that uh, the big picture maths, working from the big picture backwards, is a bit like how we learn English. Yes. We read books. We observe the English, all the skills in action, and we want to where we get uh, inspired. We want to go back and learn the basics so we can write our own novels, yes. whatever. You think so? Yes. Whereas if we started at the the bottom of the English, learning spelling, learning the grammar rules. Well, that didn't work with me. <laughs> no. But if we had to do it there, by the time we got all those skills in place, we might have lost interest. Yes. We have to have some vision ahead of us to keep us going, don't we? Yes. And you don't, even with the English, you don't have to, Go see the big picture, then do work your way through every step of the, of the spelling and grammar and everything. You can just jump straight in. It's like maths. You can just jump straight in. You can pick out the bit you want to do. Like you can cut out the spelling and grammar and go straight on to the writing if you know how to your numbers, uh, your letters. And you get better as you go, isn't it? The more yes. Okay, so what happens, Sophie, if we expose a child to lots of interesting maths? What I've done is I've gathered all these interesting resources and you're saying that you're interested. What if you hadn't been interested, even though I'd done all this work and I'd tried to give it to you in a way that makes it much more interesting than workbooks and you still weren't interested in it? Is well, that all right? I reckon it's fine because you've, you've given the child their chance. You've let them see everything that maths is. So long as you've shown them all that, and if they're still not interested, maths might just not be their thing. Not every child will be the next great mathematician. 
No, that that's just not their thing. That's yes. all right. But at least you've tried. Yes, and on the way they will have picked up things to help them on later on. They will know everything they need. So they're going to pick up maths anyway from their real life experiences. Exactly. Even if they're not interested in learning maths for its own sake. Exactly. Okay. So if we don't, they can't see use for it and they aren't enjoying it, we should just let it go. Yes. They can always learn it later on in life if they need it. If they really find a need for trigonometry, just go Google it. They'll give you up instructions. You don't need to learn it all now. So that takes me right back to the older kids when I was telling them that they had to learn maths just in case. Really, it's a case of you learn enough maths for what you need right now, and if your need changes in the future, children are capable of going out there and expanding their knowledge, aren't yes. they? Yes, you, you don't lose your ability to learn once you're an adult. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, have, you have the choice then to go and learn it, and because you need it, you're more inclined to learn it. Yes. So there's no problem there. Yes, it's more that you want to learn it then, rather than mum saying... You've got to learn it. You might need it in the future. When it's not definite, you will. And because I don't think that works because you forget it. Yes. So just having it in your reserves just in case. It doesn't work. It doesn't work because it, it just goes in one ear and out the other. Well, it goes in until the assignment has been done or it's been ticked off in the registration or the exam's been done and then you don't hold on to it because you didn't want to learn it in the first exactly. place. Okay, well, this has been a really interesting uh, discussion with you, Sophie. I just want to thank you for sharing your thoughts on unschool maths. Do you think you'll be a, a mathematician? I'm not sure if maths is exactly what I want to study, but I'm sure I want to keep learning maths. Maths will definitely be a hobby. Okay, that's great. Well, thank you. I hope that um, you found that interesting, li uh, listening to me talking with Sophie. And that brings us to the end of this podcast. Uh, as usual, you can find me on Facebook, Sue Elvis Writes, if you'd like to hop over and join my Facebook community. I'm also on iTunes if you would like to subscribe. And my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. I've got quite a few posts on unschool maths and the story of our transition from tradition traditional maths to unschool maths. If anybody is interested, I'll put up the links. Until next week, trust, respect, and love unconditionally. <laughs>